Welcome to the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution Show with Ralph Sanchez. Ralph's background includes 25 years as a clinician and functional medicine consultant, and he is the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. Ralph's mission on this show is to bring you the trailblazing information and science that enables you to live younger, longer, and protect yourself and your loved ones from cognitive impairment and dementia as you age. Welcome once again. This is your host, Ralph Sanchez, and this is episode number 11 here at the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution channel. This episode will also correspond to number seven in a series, the Think Ahead podcast series. And a reminder that it is a 10-episode series that will be available to download after we have completed their publication here on this channel. Today, I'll continue with Susan Brender, a co-host who participated in many of these Think Ahead episodes that were produced a couple of years ago. And we'll be talking more about hormones today to continue where we left off in episode number 10. In that last episode, number 10, titled Why Low Estrogen Levels in Women is Linked to an Increased Risk for Alzheimer's Disease, we discussed a few salient points about the role of estrogen in aging women and the risk for Alzheimer's disease, particularly with regard to glucose metabolism and estrogen's function as a neuroprotective hormone. Two very important points about estrogen in women's brain health and brain aging. And in this episode, number 11... I'll be sharing a little more about estrogen metabolism and we'll also add some vital information about the role of progesterone in brain health and a brief review of a progesterone metabolite, allopregnanolone. Plus, we'll do a brief overview of testosterone and DHEA, which are also critical neurosteroids in aging individuals. Neurosteroids are steroids or steroid hormones that are synthesized in the brain and they are vital in cognitive function. In fact, the decline of these neurosteroids in aging is linked to impairments in learning and memory function and the risk for neurological diseases such as late onset Alzheimer's disease. Now, before we begin with Susan's intro, a reminder and a disclaimer that all of the information I share here on this channel is meant for educational purposes only. Please consult with a physician if you feel there is anything going south with regard to your health or your brain health. Okay, thank you. And on to today's episode. Hello, this is Susan Brender, and I'm with Ralph Sanchez, author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease and the Improved Mind Diet. I'm on the seventh show of the Think Ahead series, which we will pick up where we left off in the last show. We will continue the conversation on the benefits of hormones for both women and men and their prospective benefits in aging and for optimizing your brain health. Take it away, Ralph Sanchez. Sure. Hi, Susan. How are you? Thank you so much for the introduction. I'm delighted that you're here, Ralph. Yeah, thank you. Me too. It's always a joy to talk about how we can 
optimize our brain function and protect it from dementia and Alzheimer's disease, which is the object of all of these shows that we're doing together in the Think Ahead series. So what I wanted to continue on this show was picking up from where we left off in the last show. And in the last show, we primarily discussed the role of estrogen in women and its uh, potential use in preventing cognitive decline and actually optimizing function. And the interesting story about there, which I encourage people to go back and, and listen to, is that estrogen can have profound effects on the metabolism, energy metabolism of people and especially women of course, and uh, that's really important. So it protects the brain by optimizing energy metabolism and it functions as an antioxidant, two very, very important functions of estrogen in women. And that's one of the reasons that women have problems with their cognitive function as they age. A lot of it has to do with estrogen. But there are other hormones involved in all of this, which we're going to talk about more today. We didn't have a chance to do that, like progesterone. And one of the things I'm listening to the replay on the last show, I failed to mention that while estrogen is obviously associated with a decline in menopause, progesterone has a much bigger drop-off than estrogen. So estrogen in most women declines by 40 to 60% once they're in menopause. But progesterone actually falls even further down the line to almost a zero. And so what I mentioned in the last show is that what I've seen and what's clinically apparent is that progesterone therapy can do wonders for a woman. It's very, very safe and may be more appropriate in many circumstances than estrogen. And of course, both of them can be very useful in hormone replacement therapy, but that's a a call between the practitioner and the person. The same goes for men, and we're going to talk a little bit more about men today. But I want to talk about progesterone a bit more because progesterone is a very, very important hormone. And when we're talking about these hormones and brain health, they're actually referred often as neurosteroids. Because not only are they synthesized in the body and have most of the functions associated with them that most people understand, but they have a very, very important role in the brain as well, too. And they're actually synthesized in the brain as well, and that's why they're called neurosteroids. And neurosteroids in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's disease can actually be a pretty profound in terms of how it affects the disease process. So testing for them can be very, very useful and actually can help distinguish from other forms of dementia. For example, declines in certain neurosteroids are definitely associated with Alzheimer's disease, but not so much vascular dementia. And hormones and the decline and how it affects your cognitive function is something particularly when you are at midlife, as I've talked about many times, can be very, very important to assess because it's one of the contributors to cognitive decline that can be reversed because it's very, very easy to supplement with these hormones. And in certain cases, it requires a prescription. But for example, progesterone is available over the counter. 
And so are other hormones that we'll talk about, like pregnenolone and DHEA. However, I do not recommend people start taking all this stuff, even though they can go out and buy it. It's just not a good idea because these hormones, particularly hormones like pregnenolone and DHEA, are called pro-hormones. They are precursors. So they cascade down pathways that contribute to estrogen and testosterone levels. And that can be, that can vary between individuals. I'll never forget. And there's some misconceptions because, for example, DHEA is considered to be an androgen like testosterone. So there are androgens versus estrogens and uh, progesterones that are associated with women. Androgens are associated more with men. But these androgens are very important for men. There's a lot of information on testosterone and improving cognitive function. And these other hormones also, directly and indirectly, are associated with the same benefits. And the lesson that I was going to share is and how misleading some information out there can be and how it plays out in an individual is that DHEA can readily convert over to estrogen and and testosterone. But that happens differently in men and women. And so you have to be careful. One of the things that I misunderstood is that when I was declining in my testosterone levels, I decided to experiment with DHEA because it's known to be a pro-hormone for testosterone. And so I did high-dose DHEA therapy and I've discovered that it wasn't doing anything for my testosterone. So I looked into it more and realized that that doesn't happen that well in men. It happens better in women. So when women want to raise their testosterone a little bit, a little DHEA is a great approach if they don't want to do direct testosterone therapy. So those are the types of lessons one uh, has to be aware of in terms of how these hormones can play out differently in men and women. So DHEA would be a good uh, option for women and testosterone and even uh, perhaps some estrogen. And that's where testing and keeping track of this is really important because, again, there's so many areas that this can differ in an individual. DHEA generally, I learned, is not a good precursor for testosterone in men. And actually, I wound up using herbs. There are a lot of herbs out there that are really good for raising testosterone levels. And we're not going to get into that in this show, but that's a great option for men. Of course, the idea of supplementing with testosterone has become really popular, so that's obviously a more direct approach. And it is going to be a more noticeable approach in terms of how you experience the supplementation or the therapy. Testosterone is going to have profound effects on a man in terms of his mood, his stamina, his energy levels, his cognitive function, just like estrogen does similar things for women. So it can be a very, very important hormone for men to think about as they age. And like I said, there are options to it in terms of raising testosterone. One of the things I mentioned of the option for women in estrogen could be like acupuncture. 
and also other options for raising estrogen naturally in the body or using what are called phytoestrogens. And phytoestrogens are plant-derived uh, estrogens that function in the body in very profound ways, and they're very protective and provide wonderful benefits. If we'll get into a time a thing here later, I'm going to bring up something about another type of isoflavone that I mentioned last uh, in the last show in regard to it's protective. It's a phytoestrogen derived from soy, genistein, and there's another one called daidzine, which is amazing in terms of what it can provide in terms of uh, benefits for women and protection and cognitive function. But I want to get into a little bit more about the other hormones here. So we've covered estrogen pretty well. Progesterone is a very, very important option and one that should not be overlooked. It frankly is not too much these days. Uh, women readily go out and try progesterone on their own. But there are some caveats, like I mentioned. If you're doing this and not being supervised, I'll never forget when I was seeing patients in my practice and a Dr. Lee, who kind of pioneered the progesterone use many years ago, back in the 90s. I'll never forget that time because I was getting started in my practice. And so women were rushing out right and left to, to use progesterone because at the time, Many women didn't realize that they could go out and get progesterone on their own and actually could experience profound benefits. Many of the symptoms related to menopause are actually can be alleviated with progesterone instead of estrogen. As I said, progesterone declines to almost zero, whereas estrogen can be manufactured in other ways in the body, even in menopause. So one of the important things to talk about here just briefly is that one of the problems that happens in aging has a lot to do with stress and their impact on hormones. So as you age, if you've been under a lot of stress, you're going to deplete your levels of DHEA and cortisol. And that's a test, uh, it's called the cortisol DHEA ratio. And that's a test that I would run often in people because I would see them very, very depleted. And I knew a lot of it had to do with their adrenal glands. And the importance of that is the adrenal glands are also an area besides the ovaries in women that can produce some estrogen. And the women that are most stressed out and aren't paying attention to their adrenal function as they age, they're the ones that are going to have more problems in menopause. Whereas if they have a healthy adrenal function and healthy levels of uh, cortisol and DHEA, and they're producing some estrogen because their adrenal glands are in, in better shape, they're not going to have such a big issue in menopause with all the symptoms that accompany. So it's very, very important to understand that stress uh, plays a huge role in this. And sometimes it's very, very important to do the testing for this and uh, also to think about what the most appropriate uh, supplementation may be. DHEA can do wonders in terms of how you feel, and hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. But the one thing that I wanted to continue on a little bit more is on the story of progesterone, because the other story that's not talked about and known much about, and is actually quite profound, is that progesterone really can provide benefits beyond 
those that might be applicable in menopause. Again, in cognitive function, it can play a very, very important role, just like estrogen, but in a different way. And progesterone, actually, like all of these hormones, there's a very interesting, if you wanted to self-educate a little bit, I would recommend that you go to Google and Google hormone cascade chart and look at the images for the hormone cascades and how hormones like uh, the precursors like pregnenolone and DHEA, how they cascade down into all these other hormones. And progesterone is right up there at the top as well. And what happens is that these hormones get shunted into the production of many other hormones. They're called metabolites. So they get metabolized into other hormone-like compounds, and they're very, very important to pay attention to. And, and a prime example of that is an estrogen. So estrogen doesn't just exist in estrogen in the body. It has to be metabolized. It has to be excreted. And certain of those metabolites are very dangerous, and some of them are beneficial. And how would you know that without working with somebody and understanding your history and perhaps doing some testing? Because the ratio of those healthy to unhealthy estrogens can be easily modified through nutrition. Cruciferous vegetables, and I think I may have mentioned that in the last show, cruciferous vegetables are important. And there are supplements that are appropriate at times to make sure that those ratios of estrogen are in healthy levels. Because if they're not, they're pro-carcinogenic. They raise your risk for cancer. Now, with progesterone, there is a specific metabolite of progesterone. And one of the things that progesterone does is benefit a lot of issues related to mood. And it's actually used a lot for sleep in women in menopause because that's one of the problems that arise. And I'll never forget the time when I was at a seminar and presenter mentioned that when all else has failed in terms of the classical sleep therapies like melatonin, which I'll hopefully we'll have a chance to cover a little bit about here, because melatonin functions as a protective compound in the brain. But of course, a lot of people just go out and get melatonin or they get some herbs or other things that are known to be helpful. But progesterone can be the magic pill for some women. And it has to be in the form of oral progesterone, not the topical progesterone that's very popular because the reason the topical is so popular is that it bypasses metabolism. So normally a lot of these hormones go into the liver for metabolism. And so the topical bypasses that where the oral has to be metabolized. And one of the metabolites of oral progesterone is something called allopregnanolone, not to be confused with pregnenolone. So allopregnanolone is a fascinating substance. I ran across a study some years ago that allopregnanolone was a prime, prime option as a regenerative therapeutic for Alzheimer's disease. So I just want to emphasize that word, regenerative therapeutic for Alzheimer's disease. And why is it regenerative? It's regenerative because it promotes 
neurogenesis. And we've touched on neurogenesis in the past. And neurogenesis is the phenomenon that is centered around the production of new brain cells. So allopregnenolone can be very, very important in keeping your brain sharp and regenerating it through neurogenesis and restoring a cognitive function. As a matter of fact, that study considered it a first-in-class regenerative therapeutic for people suffering with mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. And that's pretty profound. So when you can start looking at the literature and seeing that they're recommending these types of substances for treating cognitive decline and actually helping to reverse it, which is the point I made earlier, you want to get to this stuff as earlier rather than later. It's much more difficult to address these problems uh, later, and you may uh, have a response that's, that's limited. Uh, whereas at midlife and a little bit later, you can actually reverse a lot of the problems that are going on in your brain. So again, the neurosteroids are very, very important for hopefully treating and actually being used as an option to not only protect your brain, but to optimize its function. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, the benefits to progesterone can be like estrogen, but I think progesterone might be a first option is it, it really helps with mood a great deal, particularly the anxiety that comes on with menopause. And as I said, since progesterone falls so much at menopause, it's really the thing you, you want to try first. One of the things I mentioned is that you can stimulate and get some estrogen production with a healthy, a healthy adrenal glands and some supplementation and acupuncture. One of the interesting things I want to make sure I don't miss here, because I just thought of it again, is that these hormones have fascinating pathways in the body. And one of the things that happens in fat tissue, and this is not necessarily a good thing because we don't want too much fat tissue. We talked about that already. And fat tissue is a source of inflammation and uh, related to risk for heart disease and diabetes and cognitive dysfunction. But a fascinating thing that happens in women is that fat mass and women do have more fat mass than men, actually produces some estrogen. And it's through a very, very interesting pathway that involves testosterone and a, another hormone like a compound that is related to androgens, and it's called androstenedione. And androstenedione in fat tissue is converted to estrogen. And so that's why it's important, as I mentioned already, and I'm glad I remembered this, because you have to be careful, men have to be especially careful, because testosterone can be converted to estrogen very readily. And so when they start doing testosterone therapy, if they are not careful, they can actually be shunting into more estrogen production than they want. And that's not a good thing because there are estrogenic effects on the body for men that are not good. And that can be addressed through various supplements. And actually there are drugs that support that when it's a more severe problem. 
And the pathway that that's involved and that I'm discussing here and alluding to is something called aromatization. So testosterone and androstenedione can be aromatized into estrogen. So a little fat in women is helpful. You don't want too much, again, but it can be helpful in producing estrogen. And like I said, estrogen may not be the biggest problem because of all of these factors, and progesterone may indeed be the ideal therapy to use in these, in these cases. So I think we'll leave that behind now. I just want to mention that these therapies, again, should be guided by an experienced practitioner. This great way, uh, Ralph, to actually end the show. Uh, very interesting stuff. But I want to say to you, Ralph, thank you for another informative session. And we will be looking forward to our final show. Can you give us a hint at least what we will be discussing and how people can contact you? Well, I was hoping to squeeze in some information on pregnenolone and melatonin and DHEA here a little bit more. So maybe we should just continue that on our next show and make it a more comprehensive hormone discussion here because it's a very, very important component to all of this. And that way we'll have a more complete information base for people to refer to here. We did a lot more on progesterone today and that took some time. And while we mentioned pregnenolone and DHEA, there's a lot more to that that can be shared so people understand that a little bit more and how it applied to them. So let's do that in the next show. I think that's a great idea. Well, I'll say it again. Ralph, I want to thank you for such an informative session. It's been really a great one. And a lot of information and a lot of education has been provided to our audience. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Appreciate your help with all of this. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Alzheimer's Solution Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you listen in to your favorite podcasts. Share with friends and family on your favorite social media channel, such as Twitter or Facebook. 